Not long ago, a man in probably his mid-30s came to see me and uh, wasn't really sure why he came. He said something was not right in his life, and he couldn't put his finger on it. And I said, well, just tell me what's going on. You know, often when we come to seek help, we don't know why we are there specifically. You know, far too many people, from my experience, self-diagnose. And our self-diagnoses are usually wrong. And when we go to God explaining our self-diagnosis to God, we're really wrong. <laughs> because God knows exactly what's going on with us. But this man didn't. He, he was really, he was in distress. And I said, well, tell me about what, you know, what's going on. He said, you know, I said, are you married? Yes, yes, my wife and I. I said, how long have you been married? Uh, Twelve years. Okay, any children? Yes. Young children? Yes. Okay. And so, tell me why you're here. What's the reason? Everything okay at your job? Well, for the most part, yes. Any emotional or financial or addiction or abuse issues? I said, no, no, none of that. So right now you're sounding pretty blessed to me. So what's going on? And he said, I'm angry all the time. All the time. I'm just one tiny little thing away from exploding in rage. He said, well, what's the source of your anger? He said, my children, my wife, my job, our neighbors. And he went to list all the people he was angry at. He said, okay, I, I see where you're, you're going with this. You know, he said, I'm, I just, I'm almost out of control. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't stop thinking. I can't stop worrying. And I go around every day with a phony smile on my face that could erupt into profanity at any moment. And so, does profanity ever come out? It's just when I'm in my car driving. I said, okay, if you're one of those that passes, you know, seething, and yes. I said, okay. He said, Father, I don't know what's going on. I said, do you pray? He said, no, I try to. What do you mean you try to? I just, I can't focus. I said, does that make you angry? Yes, it does that I can't pray. And I said, well, then how about the Houston Texans? He goes, yes, don't get me started on them. Everything was triggering him. And you know what? That's true of just about all of us. And we wind up getting the angriest at the people who are nearest and dearest to us. And we get angry at those who live closest to us, our neighbors. Bless their heart, we think we know them intimately well because we've already criticized everything about them and we don't know them at all. Because when people tell me they're angry at their neighbors, so what is it about them? They're just, they're, they're different. Yeah, right. We're all different. That's the beauty of it. But when we can't see the beauty of the creation that God has placed all around us, now we haven't 
chosen our own families. None of us asked to be born into the families we were born into. None of us asked the neighbors around us to move in. All that's chosen by God. In fact, he has chosen our families for us. As difficult as that is to hear, he has chosen our neighbors. And that's important to remember as we look a little deeper into this in just a minute. God appoints our neighbors for us. We don't get to pick. We try to. But our neighbors are the ones that God brings into our lives that we are supposed to love as we love him with the love he has given to us. So I, I told this man, and he was in tears by the time he had started letting all this out. He was angry at everything in the world. He was angry at their kittens at home for Pete's sake. Who gets angry at kittens? Everything was triggering something in him. And I said, well, here's what I think. When we find ourselves angry and bitter and short-tempered all the time, we need to adjust our spiritual thermostat. Father, what do you mean by that? To close your eyes and just see a thermostat. And it's got two sides. You need to reach out and into that spiritual thermostat and turn it off of the setting that says me and turn it onto the setting that says Jesus. You're trying to go through life with the wrong setting. Adjust it now. That's something we can do anytime we're ready. But it means we have to deny ourselves. Yes, we even deny ourselves the perverse pleasure we get in getting angry. We've got to leave that behind by denying ourselves. Not glorifying ourselves. To go through life in a righteous anger is to go through life in anger. And we're not supposed to do that. We hear in our second lesson from St. Paul to the Romans that the entirety of the commandments, all of them, can be summed up and fulfilled in the one sentence that says, love your neighbor as yourself. The entirety of the commandments. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, does that mean that stupid guy behind us who runs his lawnmower at 6.15 in the morning? Yes, of course it does. We don't choose our neighbors. God gives them to us to love. Not to isolate from. Not to stand at a distance and pass judgment. No. We're to love them. Because the entirety of all of God's commandments is fulfilled when we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Remember, it was Jesus who said, don't think that I came to abolish the law. I didn't come, Jesus said, to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. What does the law look like when it's fulfilled? It looks like Jesus. It doesn't look like everyone running around in anger 
criticizing and complaining about each other is people who love as Jesus loves. St. Paul gives an incredible description of love, true love, real love, God's love in 1 Corinthians 13 when he tells us that true love, agape love, is patient and kind. It's long-suffering. It doesn't seek its own reward. It is constantly giving. It doesn't keep score. So many people who come to me for spiritual counseling or spiritual direction are not living in a spiritual marriage. They're keeping score against each other. That's ridiculous. God is a scorekeeper. We don't judge. He is the judge. We are to love as he has loved us. John 13, 34, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. Love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. And ask, how did Jesus love us? To death. He died on the cross for us. He gave up his life for us. Well, does that mean we should be willing to? Yes. To die for a neighbor? Yes. And Jesus said, it's by the love you have one for another that the world will know you belong to me. It's not by your possessions. It's not by your beautiful appearance. It's not by anything else other than the love we have one for another that the world will be able to tell that we belong to Jesus. And so, the truth of the matter is, we just heard a gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 18 that always gets taken out of context. People jump to the last verse and say, as Jesus said, when two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there amongst them, amidst them. And that is true. But that ignores everything that went before that because everything that went before that in this gospel lesson is about people misbehaving in the church. And it's how church discipline is meted out. Not in anger. Sometimes it involves two or three witnesses. And yes, Jesus is in the midst of even that when the church disciplines its own and the most misunderstood part of that is when we are told by Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, if the person that we're bringing in for correction refuses to, to correct themselves, then we ought to treat them as sinners and tax collectors. Ask yourself this, how did Jesus treat sinners and tax collectors? He loved them. We love people back into relationship, even when they've strayed. And as far as tax collectors, who wrote Matthew's Gospel? A tax collector. Jesus called him to be one of the twelve. The bottom line of all of this, of our faith, is we love. We are a people of love. And I have to quickly say, we can't do it. We cannot do it. It's an impossible ta task. When our spiritual thermostat is switched to me and not to Jesus.
we have got to remember each day that He is the reason we're here. He is the reason we're alive. He is the reason that we still have work to do in the world for Him and through Him and in Him. We come into this Mass every, every time we come, and He gives us His absolute very, very best. He gives us Himself. We take Him into us. Not so that we can feel great. That happens. Not so that we can be proud. Not so that we can go boast. No. He gives us His gifts so that we can share them with others. And you know who those others are? Our neighbors. Our families. Those that He has already brought into our lives. We love them as He loves us. Because all the commandments, all the law, all the prophets are summed up in love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's not against the teaching of the church to love yourself, but you do it in the proper order. You love God first, always first. You love your neighbor second, and yourself third. Jesus gave us that divine order for our lives, and He is the one and the only one who can help us live the life that He wants for us. And He does that by being with us every minute of every day, all the time, no matter what. Ask his, ask his help if you need to switch that thermostat to another setting. He knows where the thermostat is. It's right here.